It's the sound of me busting all those sweet skate tricks. Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rowlands. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series retrospective. Big weird quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard it referred to, or seen it referred to online as the Tony Hawk's series, because they put other things after Tony Hawk's, but that's an awkward thing to call it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does make sense. Like, they made an effort to make the games acronym well when they stop calling them pro skater so like there's thps is what people would refer to as the tony hawks pro skater games and then later as they added additional things underground so it could be thug and then american wasteland so it's thaw but then you have like thp8 which doesn't make any sense or thpg for proving grounds Mm -hmm. uh but we'll get into that and why we aren't talking about those games in a second. Uh, the games that we are talking about, uh, and I will follow this up with a comical list of games that we are not talking about afterward. Uh-huh. We were talking about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, released in 1999. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, released in 2000. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, released in 2001. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, released in 2002. Tony Hawk's Underground, released in 2003. Tony Hawk's Underground 2, released in 2004. And Tony Hawk's American Wasteland, released in 2005. And I am a big dumb idiot, because those are literally every year between 1999 and 2005, and I could have just remembered that. Yeah, I I didn't realize this was a yearly franchise until we were uh, doing prep doing preparation for this episode yeah i will have to uh get into why i didn't think it was a yearly franchise in a bit but importantly uh and by importantly i mean exceedingly unimportantly uh i should mention all of the games in the main series that we're talking about right now were developed by neversoft uh, at least primarily. These were games that were incredibly popular, as you probably well know at this point, and got ported to a million different things. Um, the standout ones that I particularly remember are that 1 and 2 uh, were remastered in an HD collection on the Xbox 360 that was done by a different team, and the new, as of one day prior to the release of this episode... Tony Hawk's 1 and 2 remastered that is coming out uh, is also going to be, is not being developed by Neversoft. Yeah, and I think that there was a PS1 version of Pro Skater 3 that was, the port was handled by a different team. Yeah. And like other stuff like that. There were like Game Boy versions yeah, and stuff. Yeah, the mobile versions were all developed by different companies. Yeah. And I know I played the shit out of Tony Hawk's Underground 2 Remix. Uh, which was Underground 2, but with new levels and stuff that they put on the PSP. Uh, But because the difference in time when it was released, they were able to actually develop more for it because the PSP was like a kind of a high-powered thing. In comparison Uh, to the PS1. Right. (laughs) Um, But the games that we are not talking about are, uh, and some of these are going to be obvious and other ones I might have to do a little splaining, I guess. Uh are <laughs> Downhill Jam, 
which was a Tony Hawk game that was more of a racing game. Like, it was, like, time trials and, like... Was that a Wii game? Uh, no, that one was on everything, I oh. think. Oh, no, that one was on, yeah, Wii and the DS. So it was primarily. And there was a PS2 version released later. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Project 8 Improving Ground, which most people would probably consider to be, like, the next two mainline entries in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, yeah. Um, Motion, which was the DS game that you controlled by rolling the DS all around in your hand. Uh, <laughs> Vert, which was a mobile game that I've never played or heard of. Ride, uh, which was the one with the peripheral skateboard that you stood on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shred, which I believe used the same peripheral, but I could be wrong. Uh, Pro Skater HD, which is the remake of one and two that like doesn't have all the levels from both, but they're like kind of mishmash to make like a single game out of like a, it's like a best of Tony Hawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shred Session. <laughs> Which was also a mobile one, but it never fully released. It got pulled uh, after launching. Like, they put it out and didn't announce it, and then they were like, no, 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 take it back down. <laughs> uh, Prisgator 5, uh, which was made by Robomodo and was released just a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't even remember that happening. Yeah, there was a 2015 game. Wow. Uh, that was widely panned by everyone <laughs> for being shitty. Uh, Skate Jam, which is another mobile version, and then the 1 and 2 remaster that is coming out on Friday at the time of recording. You could have made up a handful of those, and I wouldn't even know. Yeah, this is very much like the also Activision-produced Guitar Hero game episode where I went through and just named a bunch of shit that you were like, Guitar Hero Carabiner. (laughs) Yeah, it was revealed that I didn't know what a carabiner was. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's lots of horse shit in this. Uh, the reason why I'm stopping in American Wasteland is because I have kind of a thesis that I want to spread out over the course of, uh, this discussion in that I think that the Tony Hawk game is a great example, like, uh, these yearly release games that in order to differentiate themselves from their prior versions, add new things without taking anything away. There's a lot of design that happens here that is additive and there's very little culling. And Project 8 was not a terrible game by any means, uh, but it was the first one that culled it. Like, they saw the success of games like Skate, which came out it like contemporaneously with it, and pulled back on the arcadiness of it. So to me, the way that I see it, THPS 1 through American Wasteland are like the pure Tony Hawk games. And it's kind of an arbitrary line to draw, but how many fucking games did you want us to play anyway? Yeah, and it it seems like in from a more pulled back perspective that like I have it just it seems like a a, a logical cutoff point because the, all the games that we played feel like that they're riding that initial wave of success mm-hmm. and after that is where it feels like they were like had felt like they had to reevaluate their design and like what they were doing with the franchise yeah and there was no reevaluation happening going on <laughs> yeah it's just like it's where it got stale it was like it, it hit it hit a breaking point there yeah um but i think that the safe thing to do here is try and start uh, with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1, which we were unable to attain a copy of. 
Yeah, I, I was going to order a copy, but it would take, like, I was worried it wouldn't get here in time. It was like, uh, it was scheduled to be delivered like a month from now because yeah. that's the time we live in. Uh, so I didn't uh, get a copy of the first game. Yeah. Um, I am basically, this is like from memory, though I have played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 a lot, a lot, and I uh, can probably run down most of what is in it, which yeah. I won't do because it would be boring. Yeah. I do remember renting it from Blockbuster. Yes. The first two <laughs> games were like classic Blockbuster rental games for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, the original game introduces basically these mechanics that cement sort of like the very arcade nature that the games are going to just keep going with uh going forward the big thing i think about tony hawk's pro skater one that is notable in comparison to other games at the time like the reason this game actually took off is there were other skateboarding games this was not like the first one but it had like this it has an emphasis on speed in its simulation where it it wants to be a fast score based game where a lot of other games maybe had a score but like the point of the game was like navigation and actually riding on the skateboard and then the other thing about it is licensed music um this is a huge fucking deal for uh this game because the music one one or the other people loved this game and liked the music because it was something that they heard a lot or people really liked the music and that was enough to sell them on this game uh, i think both are incredibly valid readings mm-hmm. uh, and the soundtrack to tony Hawk's pro skater one is like a fucking bomb like it is so <laughs> good uh everyone of course remembers uh Goldfinger's Superman being the track that played, because I believe they were level-locked in the first game, mm-hmm. uh, playing in the warehouse, which is the first stage in the game. and But the game also included, like, I, I think Rage Against the Machine was in the first one, if they weren't in the second. Uh, Police Truck by the Dead Kennedys, New Girl by uh, uh, the Suicide Machines. Um, lots of these songs by bands that people maybe didn't hear of in the mainstream and really like helped their careers in addition. Yeah. It's one of those ways that like it, the Tony Hawk franchise feels very of its time. Um, it's like this culmination of like, uh, like this kind of skateboard, like subculture, like the X games became popular in the nineties um and off the back of this like bands like this became more popular and you had stuff like um uh like jackass Mm -hmm. which we'll come back to later uh i think kind of exists off the back of this like some like someone like bam margera could become a popular celebrity because of the success of tony hawk i think Mm -hmm. um so yeah it just it feels very lightning in a bottle like the way these things kind of like fed off of each other and like boosted each other in popularity. Yeah. Like Tony Hawk himself was sort of a minor celebrity, uh, before the games came out, uh, skateboarding was more popular and he was doing a ton to sort of like push the boundaries of it. Like Mm -hmm. he was always, at least in my, uh, 
perception of him, he was like the responsible, like <laughs> like adult of the skateboarding like community who was like respected and who was always like pushing like the sport forward. Right. Yeah. Like, cause he, he's like an, I think he's an LA native and because of that sort of proximity to everything, he was one of the skateboarders who would do like stunts for movies and shit, uh, because he made a name for himself and people could be like, can we just get Tony Hawk to do this? And so he would, uh, and like he offered consulting for stuff like that. And, uh, when he signed on board with this game, I think that really sort of like that added legitimacy. The fact that there's a name attached to it. Like I bought fucking Dave Mira's freestyle BMX two on the GameCube when I was a kid. I, I didn't know who the fuck Dave Mira was when I got that, uh-huh. but his name was on it. And I was like, that reminds me of Tony Hawk's right, right. Sean White's snowboarding. snowboarding. Yeah. Uh, the crime, of course, being that 1080 snowboarding was way better. Uh, <laughs> but neither were as good as Snowboard Kids 2, right. so let's be real. Yeah, Snowboard Kids 2 will be the king of snowboard games um, mm-hmm. forever after. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of, I was just thinking about this while, like, thinking about the games before recording this, is I remember one time we were in a band in high school, and we would play bands with a bunch, or shows with a bunch of, like, hardcore metal bands yep uh because that's just like what else like else existed in the area and like i remember playing a show with them uh once that we set up and we ran the show um and one of the other bands talking to us and be like man we love it when you guys host these because like everything (laughs) just goes so much smoother and it's like i feel like tony hawk is that right in like the skateboarding community it's like he's he gives it so much legitimacy just like on his own and he uses his celebrity to like for like as like a positive force right. for like the image of skateboarding like it's so much more like at the time i feel like skateboarding was like looked down on as like a like a thing that like bums did or not bums <laughs> that's not the right word but like losers did right yeah and now Street it rats. yeah and now it's just like an accepted thing that like most teenage boys will probably do at yeah. least for a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> and they realize that the trick is called the impossible for reasons other than you press up and B to do it. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's our, our prelim. I want to say the, there are a couple things that are in Tony Hawk's pro skater that really get sort of like thrown out um in a unprecedented move for this series mm-hmm. uh one of which uh and i think the big one for me is there are these downhill focused levels in thps1 they really don't ever come back we talked about the wii game downhill jam existing which is closer to that uh and in fact one of the levels in tony Hawk's pro skater one is just called downhill jam uh and then there's the mall which also is a similar thing um, where you start at the top and then you work your way to a bottom. And if you make it to the bottom before the two minutes are up, there's like a door that just takes you back to the top. Mm. This kind of level is like really antithetical to the way that the games would be designed going forward. And it makes sense that they dropped it. But I always found it was weird that they were in there sort of to break up the monotony in the first game. And then it became something that is just 
not compatible with the game's design going forward. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there at least like one downhill level in like three or four and like one of the future ones? Most likely there was at least one that functioned similarly, but none that were true like single run like downhill levels yeah. like that. Yeah. I'd have to agree. It it feels like a little bit of like a missed opportunity to not bring those back, like at least one per game. Yeah. Um because, like, I, I don't have a ton of experience with these games, but, like, I do have a lot of experience with, like, or more experience with, like, snowboarding games. Or, like, um, I, I like the idea of, like, going, like, down basically, like, a mountain or, like, a, a, a level that's just a downhill to a bottom um, in Tony Hawk. I feel like that works really well. And, like, you could put a bunch of obstacles in the way and making one of the levels like more linear instead of open. It just feels like those could coexist more than they seem to have thought that they did because they did not uh, really bring those back. Yeah. Not in any big way. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to, I, I want to ask before we move on, uh, this is kind of like a series wide question uh, for all of the pro skater games, like the, the, first, the first three, four, four. Yeah. yeah that operate on this run based thing uh every level is two minutes i guess we should probably say that like the game, <laughs> the way that the game functions is when you load into a level you're given two minutes and a list of things to do and you can do as many runs as you want but you have two minutes for each run um and these will include like finding collectibles picking up letters and uh finding objects and and then just getting a big high score and then there are a few like unique things that show up per level so uh which could be like tricks in a particular area or like grinding a particular line that kind of a thing mm-hmm. um but in the first four games uh they're broken up by levels that take place in modeled real world skate parks uh that are um like competitions they're supposed to be like you just have to get top three in a like run system and usually these are shortened to one minute runs Mm -hmm. i find the real skate park elements of the game to be kind of like weirdly boring Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it is about, like, skating on a cruise ship as opposed to skating <laughs> where you're supposed to be skateboarding that is more appealing to me. And I wondered if you had a similar reaction. Yeah, I, I do, um, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who knows me. But um, I think it's because the Tony Hawk games have always really leaned into being video games. And when it puts you, like, in a skate park, it makes it lean more realistic and and like obviously you still have the same mechanics so it never really like goes into like simulation territory like uh, is skate yeah ea skate is more like that um so it never goes it pushes it that far but i think it's it does make it feel more mundane when they put it in like the context it's supposed to be in right i'm I'm really glad that you agree with me on this because i felt like i was being because it's like some of the skate park levels like they feel really well designed because they are designed for skateboarding right. in a way that the other levels are more like 
kind of jimmied together. Yeah, but they're designed for skateboarding in the real world, right. which is very different than skateboarding in Tony Hawk. Yeah, not a whole lot of people go like 50 feet in the air <laughs> off of a half yeah. pipe in real life. You couldn't even begin to do like a sm- one half of a fraction of the things you could do in Tony Hawk in real life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and also I think it's a video game. And as I said, they kind of embrace their video gamey side. And so, like, you want a more creative level in your video game than just, like, half pipes. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think ba- like, with that out of the way, like, the discussion of the first game, the mechanics, as they're laid out in the first one, and this is going to be a returning theme where I'm going to count off some stuff, first one's pretty boring. You can jump, you can grind, you can do flip tricks, you can do grab tricks, and then, uh, like, especially you can do, like, wall rides like you can get on a wall and go up which lets you get to additional height so you can jump grind flip trick and grab trick but a little bit higher off the ground uh-huh. uh and that made up the basis of the entire game and these games were annual releases and the reason this is surprising to me is because i know that i put like one million hours into every individual one of these as i was growing up Mm -hmm. uh and that's so like the fact that there had to have been other ones out there even and i just didn't play them because i was still playing the old one thps1 is so shallow (laughs) yeah uh, and one of the biggest things is when we move on and go to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, which was the first one that you've played uh, for this. Yeah. And it introduced the manual, uh, which sounds boring. The manual basically is a wheelie uh, that you do. But because the games are so score-focused, manuals allowed you to string combos together across distances so it wasn't just you do a big trick and land it or you do a long grind and land it you can now do that long grind go into a manual then hit a ramp and then do more tricks uh and then that will be further improved in three with the revert but for now that's what we have we now have a way to truly string you can now combo down an entire level if you wanted to Mm -hmm. i'm sure you could do that if you're good at the game Is the is this one we want to talk about difficulty? I think it makes sense. Um, as somebody who did not play these yearly, I think the like my least favorite thing about these games is the lack of like tutorializing and communication of like how the game works. Mm-hmm. Like it it feels like it assumes a level of familiarity that even in the second one, like feels like you're very unlikely to have. Uh, given how much stuff you can do. Yeah. Um, and they, there'll be later ones that actually, like the later games do more to actually like tell you all the stuff you can do, but the way that you're expected, or maybe not expected, but the way that you can string everything together to actually get the most out of the game is just not very clear. Um, so... I played all of, what is it, like seven of these games? We six did or seven. Six, yeah. Um, or no, we did seven. Oh, no, we did six. We played six. We're talking about seven. Okay. <laughs> because we're philanderers. All right. So <laughs> played all six of these games, and there were still, by the last one, I was still finding out new stuff that I could do that seemed, 
like stuff I should have known I should be able to do all along and like was just learning or realizing like how to use it. Um, so it almost kind of felt like learning a language. Um, there's like so much complexity there that this almost feels like its own subgenre of like platformer or something. I actually kind of like making the comparison to a fighting game where the genre wants to assume that its players are familiar with it because generally speaking, it's made by people who are familiar with the genre. Like the, there's like an understanding of like, Oh, you do the quarter circle forward motion to throw a Hadouken. Like that's just the thing that happens. Mm -hmm. And in Tony Hawk, the version of that is like, they expect you by the time that you're playing the fourth or fifth game of the series to know the basics in as much as like combo strings, how to perform special moves, like what the special meter even is. And that is not guaranteed. Like, cause somebody could pick up underground as their first game. And they're like, I didn't know that Tony Hawk had so many fucking cars in it. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Uh, so I totally get, like, I feel you on that way more so than I did on like WarioWare or, Katamari, which are similar, like games that require that have a learning curve and mm. difficulty, but like ones that I've poured a lot of time into. Uh, Tony Hawk playing it again, especially having to learn which mechanics did and did not exist, and not being told that up front, like when going back to the older games, is actually like quite a shock. Uh, and I, I, I support your. <laughs> your uh your take on this yeah it's like there are really strong core mechanics there it's just the rest of the design of like everything else feels very old and clunky like even all the way up through american wasteland like that's seven games and they still feel like they're ironing out like how to like the user experience side of things and it's like still messy even in that game yeah i mean i would argue i have a lot to say about american wasteland uh replaying all of these games that was the one that most that and underground 2 are the ones that most like shocked me i think um so i do i do want to come back to that in regards to american wasteland specifically but yeah the the the, the ui and even more so just like the the moving around <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> almost gets worse near the end where there are a lot of things happening that aren't super clear why and the thing that these games are good at are their absolute base core fun skateboarding part mm -hmm. <laughs> like it they really take a turn as you start to go further in and I think we both agree with this, that 4 is, like, the standout, like, probably the best game, actually. It was my favorite. I could see how someone would prefer 3, mm -hmm. which is my favorite of the uh, the original Pro Skater uh, trilogy on the PlayStation, as people refer to it. Right. Um, I can see how you might prefer that one, but I really like the slightly more open structure with the missions scattered throughout and you can like skate around and explore the environment and it's just like it's just that 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 just lands better for me like i don't like that like having to do the level over and over uh to get all of the um the goals the goals done in two minutes like that gets tedious after a while to have to keep restarting yeah so i, I just think yeah that more relaxed 
um, level structure just sits better with me. Yeah, and I think that in 4 is when... 4 was the pinnacle of base skateboarding mechanics as well. Like, there were some hiccups, uh, and we'll talk about level design sort of like as a thing when we get into the later games as well, but... There were definitely some some issues uh, in four. Like there were a lot of things that they expected you to do, like go up a a flight of stairs or like a like a ramp that was narrow with the skateboarding mechanics because you couldn't get off your board yet. Mm-hmm. And that's and it was it's like fucking ridiculous. Like it's trying to play Super Mario, but all of the jumps that you have to make are like really really tiny. And you just way overshoot everything. Yeah, it's like... One of the things for me that caused the most friction throughout playing was you'll get a goal that's like, do this combination of things. And it's like something you never thought of doing before. And you like have to like sit there and like try and like internalize the button combinations and like <laughs> what order to do them in. And then when you go to try and do it, you completely fuck it up. Um, cause you're not used to it and it's like, it seems like, and that's like frustrating to mm-hmm. have to like keep trying, like what seems like it's probably a simple goal to somebody who's like familiar with the games and like, you just can't get it. Um, so they always seemed like they'd be way more fun to someone like you or someone at the time who'd been playing them all. And like, they know how the games work and the goals are like challenges they can probably get on the first try. Like, you know, it's like a test of their abilities they already have. Right. Whereas like, if you're new, it's like a very overwhelming experience. Yeah. And if you like going back to uh, some of the earlier games, like in two and three, uh, like in in Canada, in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three, there's a goal that's called the best named level. Yes, Canada. <laughs> uh, that's called nose grind around the horn, and they show you the horn. What they're referring to, it's just this like big log, like walkway area mm-hmm. that has like a rail that goes around a tree, and. But they don't tell you how to nose grind, which seems trivial to some extent. You're like, it's okay, grind. I know that one. Like, I press the triangle button. Mm-hmm. But you then it can, like, intuit, like, nose forward, probably hold up and do it. But it does that for, like, everything else as well. So, like, later you'll hit a goal that's like, do a variable kickflip kick over this gap. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck a variable kickflip is. Uh, And, like, it's not going to... Unless you just know all the moves, you aren't going to be able to figure out that you, like... It's, like, down back and and mm-hmm. the and the 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 flip trick button to do it or whatever. Yeah, it it feels like you mentioned fighting games earlier like it needs that accessible pause the game and look at all the combos thing, which I'm like shocked this doesn't have. I some of them do, but I don't I didn't check this time through so I couldn't direct you to them, mm-hmm. but not all of them are just in the pause menu right. where they need to be. Yeah. I yeah, it's there's it's it's a weird thing because like this is such like an ingrained like Tony Hawk is to me like a just a is like its own video game like the when you pick up a, a PlayStation cr- controller and you just know where the buttons are because you've played PlayStation games before mm-hmm. when I pick up a Tony Hawk game I instinctually know which button does what thing because I've just been playing the games for so long there's a 
a, a goal in American Wasteland I was playing earlier today um, where you have to uh, nolly, which in previous games was just like, well, in the first game it was the, it, it replaced what the boneless and the no comply became in later games. But in American Wasteland, you have to switch stance by pressing up on the C-stick twice. So imagine in your head holding a GameCube controller and then while still holding the jump button with your thumb, the thing that you would always do, you mm-hmm. now have to press up on the C-stick two times and then jump after that. So your options are the uh, to not hold A and do the thing and then hold A, which is reducing the amount of time you have to execute the trick they want you to do. Mm-hmm. Or what I instinctually did like a Move fucking madman is I had I went into yeah. a claw grip that I don't do for any other game, <laughs> even though it's like a popular thing, and like had my my index finger on the A button, hit the C stick, and then just like switched back. And as I felt myself doing it, it was like an alien had taken over my body <laughs> because I hadn't done it in such a long time but just did it anyway like it was mind blow I was like no no one who isn't like a monster devote devotee to this series just <laughs> does this like how does how do they expect people to do this like it's crazy like the amount that this game is just like just do it <laughs> and when you are given no explanation mm-hmm. as to how to do it is is really something yeah it felt very like um at least i have in my notes it felt very much like a childhood kind of game to me where they expect that the person playing the game is just going to have infinite free time Mm -hmm. and it, it also feels like it lends itself to just like summer afternoon like you and a friend or sibling or whatever just sitting in the basement watching each other play and like passing the controller back and forth like when you get frustrated and stuff like it just it felt like it almost kind of like it was designed for like a different time yeah there's um i think actually that's uh, another thing we can talk about this technically was introduced in the first game but is a persistent thing throughout the entire series which is the multiplayer versus modes um growing up i'm the younger brother of two Mm -hmm. and uh one thing that i learned to avoid pretty uh pretty much entirely is playing anything competitive with my older brother (laughs) because if you have the experience of being the younger brother and the expectation of being the loser in the game and you don't lose then like it it creates bad like mojo in the environment especially Mm -hmm. when there are other people around so like my brother and i would do a lot of uh like free skate and time attack which is like moderate competition but it was more of like a shared positive experience like look at the cool shit that i just pulled off and they're like whoa and you do that (laughs) and the game so the game has like a huge amount of multiplayer modes weirdly but a friend of mine a good friend of both of ours uh who was also a big fan of these games growing up fell in love with the graffiti mode which we played in underground 2 mm-hmm. 
some time ago. I remember. Yeah. And I, I love what they did with the multiplayer in this game that emphasizes it being like that after school, you and a friend on the couch kind of a game mm-hmm. where you could find lots of stuff that works for a lot of different people. Uh, there is a score attack mode. There's like classic horse like in basketball where you just try and get a higher combo than the other person. Mm-hmm. And then the graffiti mode, which is uh, a stroke of genius in my opinion, <laughs> uh, just counts the number of objects that you've like landed on in a combo and whoever hits the most objects in the level and it just like tints them red or blue in like a very cheesy, like cheap way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really intuitive. It makes a lot of sense. It doesn't, like really destroy you based on skill level like there's a level of like cerebral element to it like i think it's a really great game mode because of that uh but then we don't have much to say on multiplayer i'm sure but i just wanted to mention yeah a lot of games like from this time period like when they did have multiplayer it tended to be like a simple like the game equivalent of catchy like Mm. a concept like um all of like Something like, um, it's already a multiplayer game, but like, um, Mario Kart 64 has the battle mode. Yeah, it was the same, I, the same thing jumped into my head, and also I was like, oh, it kind of already, but yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> and, um, something like Donkey Kong 64 had like a really cool multiplayer, like, shooter thing, because yeah, the you had the guns in the game, and it's just like, they're not that fleshed out or anything, but they're just a, a lot of fun and easy to dump a lot of time into. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of hits on that, um, that kind of, it's just the right level of easy to pick up. And, you know, Star Fox 64 had a weird, like, mode too. It just, I don't know. There's just an appeal to that. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it is. But, like, I think, yeah, the simpler concept. Like, when they do multiplayer now, it always has to be, like, a more fleshed out central part of the thing. Yeah, I I will I do want to call uh call out Neversoft for making the first game. Growing up in the age of split screen multiplayer, uh, there was never a question between horizontal and vertical split screen. You just it's horizontal or you're a madman. Uh-huh. Tony Hawk is the only game where I could see an argument for vertical split. I never it, did it. It depends on how big the TV is. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember, like, on um, Mario Kart 64, if it was, like, a big TV doing it vertical actually, like, was It felt like better. you got more real you, Yeah, estate. like, you got... Yeah. A, it, it was bigger on the screen, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, horizontal... Like, horizontal just feels more natural. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, 99% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, Okay. So we were kind of talking about THPS 2. Did you have any cool experiences in that one? In 2? Like, I I, don't, I did enjoy, like, the learning experience, especially, like, in the first level. Because, like, when I dropped into it, I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> do I even do? Like, how the hell do I get that many points? Like, where? how do I get up to that pilot wing that I skate under, like, right when I come into the level? And, like, figuring all that stuff out, like, I actually thought the warehouse, like, tutorial, air quotes, yeah, um, level was just right. Like, I feel like that was tuned. Like, it's just big enough. It's got just enough stuff in it that's just easy enough to figure out, like, 
grinding on the helicopter and like finding the secret tape and everything, it's all doable mm-hmm. in that it within like an hour or, or an hour and a half of playing. Um, so I felt like that was worked really well. And then I got to the college and like, that felt like a huge difficulty spike. <laughs> um, so like, I don't know. It was, uh, it did. I thought it was actually like a good place to start and did kind of ease me in. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I thought the tutorial was really well done. Yeah. I think two and one, and I guess to some extent three though, I think three, is a little bit more lenient in it. The way that they unlock levels is also geared towards that learning experience mm-hmm. a lot You have better. to play it enough to mm-hmm. be able to move on. But if you find things too difficult, it aggregates like your goals in all levels to determine if you've unlocked the next one uh, up until the like competition levels. So you can actually skip things that are like wild and go back to things that maybe aren't as hard anymore, like to try and gauge your progress that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in three, they made it a little bit too, like the numbers were too small. And like you basically, if you complete every goal in the first level, you just get the next three and are just like, oh, there you go, have them. And it's like, wow, this doesn't feel like it feels like I'm making too much progress too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that evens out because the levels in three get a lot harder, a lot faster. Like the airport is a grind for me. Like, I don't know why, but that level just fucks with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think we could probably move, moving on to three then. Yeah. Yeah. What was added in three? Do we have spine transfers in three or were those introduced in four? I don't remember. I want to say they're in, they were introduced in the fourth one. In four, yeah. I know that spine transfers were like a big thing in four, and then acid drops got added in underground. But for the most part, three and four do a good job of being what is the essential parts of the game. Yeah, like the fleshed out version of two. Right. And I think the level design in three is really good by and large as well. Um, I think it might have the best level design, at least from what I saw of all the games. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, oh, the first three, all like the first levels are like some kind of variation on like a weird warehouse or something. <laughs> um, and the third one really stands out is feeling more substantial yeah. of a level. Like it's pretty tightly designed where each little area kind of has like a way to go into the next one. Like even as somebody who's not as versed in the games, like I could tell like how, oh, you're supposed to do like a trick from here to there, like, you know, string a combo, you know, et cetera, as they say. Yes, you had a string a combo. Um, it's more apparent, I think, through the level design in the third one. Yeah, and it also helps with things like the secret tapes, which in previous games were kind of wild at times. You'd just be like... Oh, yeah. A lot of the time I was like, oh, that's bullshit. Like, <laughs> I'm never getting that. Yeah. I remember the school secret tape in particular uh, into having... To, you have to go, like, up on a roof... And then you can, and then there's like a clear runway jump to the tape, but getting up there requires you to do this like complete fucking nonsense, uh, in this like weird circular area. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, and then there'd be times when you would just get it accidentally. Like it would just be somewhere that didn't seem that far out of the way. It was, they got real weird with it, but in three, I think they kind of like 
they got lines down a lot better. It was a lot easier to guide the player from place to place, um, especially as the levels became bigger. Mm-hmm. And so the lines that you were drawing could be more obvious. Uh, I will say that four has a tendency to like in an attempt to make its levels even bigger and more natural looking, will just put like branches on the ground and be like, you could grind that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but why? <laughs> like, I don't want to grind that. It makes it like your you'll grind obs- it and you will like it. <laughs> your character like obscures the rail, so you don't know when it ends either. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's some some dumb shit there. Um, oh, also, I don't know if I if it was in two. I think it's in two where there's a goal. Is Santa Monica in two? I think it's like the second or third level. Or I'm not gonna remember that. Yeah, either way. I think it's I think yeah, it is in two. There's a goal that is Ollie the magic bum mm. and the goal is to jump over a bum who's on the starting off this game's weirdly long running hatred for homeless people. Uh-huh. Uh where you jump over a guy who's on a uh, like a cardboard mat, and then he changes to one of like five random positions, and then you go jump over him in those positions. So the magic bum was a guy. It was a teleporting bum, really using making the most of limited resources. I guess <laughs> uh-huh. like we can't animate him doing anything, <laughs> so we'll just move the asset. And then in three, he beca- or it might not be until four. In one of those games, he becomes a character where it's no longer jump over the mystical uh, homeless guy. Mm -hmm. It is now Ollie, his name, Ollie, as in Oliver, the magic bomb. (laughs) And he's just like a guy and shows up. I think in 3 he's a secret character. And then in 4 he gives you goals. Yeah, because they have the NPCs that give you missions. So Mm -hmm. that would make sense. Yeah. And that's like... There's a number of these running jokes that start to show up at around this point in the series. You've probably heard about there's like a guy who's like humping a goat in like every game. Yep. From yeah, and Officer Dick I think is introduced in the second game, who's just a cop, a fat dumb cop. That's his whole character, and he keeps showing up as like a secret character in the games going forward as well. Yeah, the humor in the games feels very like out of place to me uh, pretty much across the board um, and I feel like part of it is just like older games were just kind of like that sometimes where I feel like the game developers were kind of left to their own devices more back then so they thought of like some dumb funny thing and they were like I'm just gonna put it in right and you know it, in with no regards to like tone or anything because like games weren't taken as seriously back then like there weren't as much of like an expectation for them to like have a consistent like you know presentation you know and you know that tony hawk's pro skater did not have a writer like they didn't hire someone they just yeah they just put in whatever they thought was goofy Mm -hmm. i don't think Okay, this the humor in the games gets worse over time. It sure does. Uh, because it starts with no humor, and that's pretty good. And then well, it comes along and adds a little bit. Yeah, and once again, like it might just be my perception of him, but like it just does not seem very Tony Hawk to me at all. Right. 
Um, I'm sure he's a funny guy in real life, but like he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who'd think that fucking a goat was funny. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I don't know. Call me crazy. <laughs> I mean, you're definitely not insane. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like his sense of humor to me, which makes it extra weird. To it, me. Yeah. Like, they're trying to blend this sort of... And, and, like, I don't want to say that the developers at Neversoft were, like, out of touch or that they were posers. No, I just think they, they were they were nerds. Yeah. Like, I, you see this stuff, like, not even just in these games, but even, like, older games from, like, the 80s and stuff. It'll be, like, the programmer snuck in this silly little thing mm -hmm. or, like, stuff. Like, we were talking about... Um, Final Fantasy VII, when the remake came out and, like, Pete called you and was asking you questions about, like, why is this ridiculous the way that it is? And it's just like, that it was, like, 1997, and they they put in these, like, weird, silly designs, and they're now just legacy things that they keep bringing back. Like, that weird octopus monster from Final Fantasy. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, the one it, that, like, sucks. Yeah, it's, like, it's this <laughs> silly design that they put in the NES game because, as I said, like, no expectations for video games back then, and it's just a thing that's stuck. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's just, like, a weird phenomenon of, like, old, like early video game development. Yeah, and and it definitely, like... It contributes to the, like, horrible mishmash that this game series becomes the later it goes, where it's picked up so much, like, just fucking detritus from its, <laughs> <laughs> its like, first several entries that it cannot seem to let go of, that it has become a monster, like, just compiled of just everything that ever was in the game stuck on a, a big, silly Final Fantasy octopus monster? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so that's... That, it's weird, because, like, I feel like it wants to be relevant to, like, skate punk culture mm -hmm. with its, like, distrust for the cops, which... It's not so underground anymore, Tony Hawk. Nope. Uh, <laughs> um, to like everything else, like, but it's like dismissive of so many things that don't even like make sense or go together. Like, there's a, a group of people in American Wasteland who are all about like the fighting, like fucking capitalism, like a like an anarcho punk totally fucking this is a game that has a song by the circle jerks on the soundtrack and they're like haha look at these like way extremist weirdos who don't like capitalism it's like well yeah <laughs> i'm getting mixed messages here and they've got other there's parts of the game that are like against union workers as a joke <laughs> that comes up in at least two different games and it yeah. doesn't make any sense there's that weird dig at like um ben affleck yeah and at one the of them beginning of america Wasteland. Yeah, yeah and it's like it's it's aged poorly in many ways, but like it's just it's funny that like it dates the game so hard. Like no one remembers Pearl Harbor, like, <laughs> and um, yeah, and it's like why why would they be particularly concerned about actors? Like why is that something we need to make a dig at? Yeah. Um, I forgot, like, until you just mentioned it, that it specifically calls out Pearl Harbor, which is arguably one of the worst writing decisions in a game full of terrible writing decisions. Yep. And it's just, it's very weird. Yeah. Um, 
There's something to it. I want to say that the fact that there's a mission to kickflip over Ben Affleck and then they shit on him for, for being in Pearl Harbor and the movie being bad is funny in like a really absurdist meta way. Mm-hmm. Like it's funny that it's there in 2020 for a game that came out 15 years ago. You're like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like a time capsule kind of thing. Yeah, and I think there's there's merit to that, but it's obviously not what they were intending. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. They wanted it to be, like, clever, like, South Park, like, you know, like, ribbing on a celebrity, and it just doesn't... And when you're making yearly games, like, maybe they were just like, I just gotta be timely, you know? Yeah, that's that's a good point, the yearly releases. Because <laughs> people won't come back to this, look at the camera, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, before we get, because there's, there's a whole thing, Underground On is gonna be the second half of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot to go into that this sort of ties into. So let's take a moment and talk about what 4 did to change and why it's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it made sense after the first three or so similar in structure to change it up. And I think the way that 4 did it is like the good balanced version of it, where the levels are more open and they're more relaxed. And you can, yeah, as I said, you can actually just skate around it first to kind of get the lay of the land and and then the missions are given to you by like npcs with arrows over their heads (laughs) and it just i find that just a lot more like welcoming and it just feels better to play like it's just a better play experience i think yeah it gets to play into the game's mechanical strengths because the like experience of going through the level is still satisfying whether you have a timer or not Mm -hmm. and just the fact that the like obviously there's some stumbles because like you're working with a huge number of goals as opposed to a really tight consistent one Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of misses in there yeah it's not as focused but but it it ends up i think working to the game's benefit in the long run the bigger levels were an inevitability and giving you unlimited time in them is probably the only way to make it work yeah i I think the trade-off is worth it as well it just as you were getting at it's just it's satisfying to just skate around and it lets you just do that you know like you can you can go in between you can go right from mission to mission to mission if you want to or you can do a mission and then you can kind of just skate around and bullshit <laughs> before you find your way to another one and i just think that works better yeah it also does the for the purposes of this podcast the slight disservice of making the game much much longer but which is probably a huge benefit for the game as a whole like financially yeah uh, they got to work with slight. They had to make slightly larger levels, but they were able to to get a lot more content out of each of them. Um, and I think that's that. That was a good decision. And I think it was the last game that really took this move and did like a good job with it. Uh, and we'll get into why after the break. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Four was cool. I liked in the three had some like voice acting and shit in it, but it was pretty minor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff, because one of the selling points of this game is the fact that the 
other pro skaters got to sort of like play roles in the game you could play them as characters but they would also show up places and four they get to voice their own lines which seems like a weird because most of them aren't good voice actors right but the fact that like ronnie mullen tells you to manual across a big piece of plywood and the fact that it's actually ronnie mullen's voice telling you to do that Mm -hmm. is like kind of cool in a way yeah it it's got that authenticity to it um and it they also this is i think early usage of like face scan technology for like textures it's like actual photos of their faces uh which is aged horribly (laughs) but like it's just that's a funny thing to look back on yeah i think in four even you could uh put like upload a picture of your face and and face map it onto the, the creator skater yeah yeah uh, so that's fucking crazy mm-hmm. um are there loose ends we want to tie up before we move on uh i just wanted to shout out that force also got my favorite soundtrack it's so hard for me it, it is it is hard to choose but like in the fir- first level has like a less than Jake song in it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, hell yeah, this is, it's the most specifically like up my alley of all of them. Um, uh, I don't think there's anything else. Uh, I'm dying to. Yeah. I, I do on a note on soundtracks for the first four games. Uh, they expanded a lot after four. Uh, the soundtracks became like sprawling track lists with a bunch of different genres. But the first four games stuck pretty heavily to uh, like punk and punk derivative genres uh, like ska punk and pop punk and shit like that. And hip hop and like variable like all the way back to like 80s hip hop uh all the way through to like what was at the time modern day hip hop, uh, including like weird tracks like uh, "If You Must" by Del the Funky Homo Sapien on the third game, which is a song about brushing your teeth and wiping your ass, uh, <laughs> which is wild but like a it fucking slaps like it's a it's a jam and I love it, uh, and then like everything else like in the in that in those two spheres mostly and they open up a lot i think four has a really distinct sound to it and i think it's because it includes like u.s bombs and like goldfinger post horn section Mm -hmm. and all of these things like it's got almost like a darker tone to the music in four it feels more serious and the game feels more serious because of it and there's a lot less jokey bullshit and a lot more like skill intensive uh goals and very like realistically modeled uh environments like more so than the previous games and i think mark's a turning point but like one that they turned quickly back away from like Mm -hmm. forest soundtrack does set the tone for the game really well and uh while i don't know if it's my favorite or not it's definitely up there and i think does the best job of being like a integral part of the game Mm mm-hmm yeah, it just had, like, the highest frequency of songs that I know and like. Yeah. And, yeah, it does It does feel like they they went more straight, like, punk mm-hmm. with it, and it does... It, it feels like the most, like, I don't know if I want to say pure in, like, the design of it, because maybe that might actually be three, but, um, or two, but it, it feels like the most, like, they tried really hard. Like, they really, like 
flexed their chops, like, you know, and really tried to, like, make a well-designed game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, four is real good. Yeah, it feels like the, hey, like, we're here and take us seriously one <laughs> of the group. Mm. Uh, and we'll talk about... Game of the Year edition. The game... <laughs> uh, but we will talk about the games that are impossible to take seriously. After, After the, the break... break. Welcome back. It's time for us to talk about when Tony Hawk lost his wife. Uh, the next games in the franchise and the final three that we're going to be talking about are Tony Hawk's Underground, Tony Hawk's Underground 2, and Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. And if you've listened to our podcast for any length of time, a common theme that comes up a lot is when a game tries to do too much we tend to like ding it for that a bit Mm -hmm. oftentimes there will be things in games that they will include as like a difference in kind and while some amount of this is definitely good to like make it so that the game isn't just doing the same thing over and over again there is a cost to that Mm -hmm. And (laughs) the cost is the polish of those new things tends to not be as high as the the polish that's on the core mechanics. And Tony Hawk's Underground apparently saw other games with a plot and, like, a list of goals and objectives that are, like, laid out in a quest structure and was like, why can't our skateboarding game do that? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Tony Hawk's Underground was my least favorite of all these. Um, the first one. And the second one's not that much better. But um, I I don't hate the idea on paper, though. Like, I think this direction was inevitable, especially given the time. And I don't even think it's necessarily a bad one. Like, the idea... Like, I love, love, love being able to get off the skateboard and just walk around. Mm. Um, it was always could be clunky to get caught in a corner or, like, by some stairs. And then you just go... Poof, 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 poof. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, everyone who's uh, played these games knows yeah. exactly what you're So it's about. great to just be able to pop off the board whenever you want. And... Um, but, yeah, as you were, you were getting at... Um, the they throw in like a stealth mission they do have car driving missions and stuff that's just like not even half-baked yeah it's thrown in there it's just i i like the concept of doing a more like plot driven more open adventure kind of game uh meshed with those tony hawk mechanics it's just what's done here is so bad it's like a team that had no idea like it's like it feels like they took the core team who'd been making the more arcadey mechanics focused Tony Hawk games and then just threw them in the deep end of like uh make this kind of game now. And so yeah, it just it feels very messy and all over the map in a way that like 
the other games had their like rough patches, but they were overall like pretty tight at their core. And then this feels like it doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah, I think I, I think the strongest case you can make for what this game wants to be, Underground, is a different video game than Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah, and it, it it was a point where it made sense to go a different direction. I think after the fourth one. Yeah. Like, the fourth one felt like it had expanded on the base fundamentals of the game to its, like, logical finale, and so they had to change things up to make it more reasonable, but they do, in later games, bring back classic mode as a, like, option. It's not, like, the focus of the game, but it does put you in those levels that they've made and give you a time limit and give you things to do in them. And <clears throat> I think that's cool. I think that it's a that they started to see where things were going wrong and dialed back on it a lot. You can tell a big difference between Underground 2 and American Wasteland. Um, the Underground games were absolutely praised when they came out too as like the like a bold step forward in the Tony Hawk franchise. And I can kind of see that, but, like, <laughs> I mean, they certainly don't hold up. And I think that people would have complained about similar things. Like, every time that you're in a car in Underground is a fucking disaster. Like, none of it makes any sense, like, physically. And Neversoft isn't, like, they're not amateur developers and have worked on games other than this before. And probably had things they could have drawn on, but didn't. Like, it just feels wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know I said I like being able to get off the board and walk around, but the actual, like, way it feels to, like, maneuver your character on foot feels awful. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just... There's only so many ways I can say I didn't really like it, but it's it's so... (laughs) I feel like I'm just going to keep repeating myself, but like, it's just, it's so, so messy. Yeah. I just, I think the game is over centralized on it where it's more, there are too many objectives that you're given that involve doing something that isn't doing a sick skateboard line. Yeah. Even stuff that is skateboarding though, will have other bullshit thrown into it too. Like, they have, like, regular platforming. They're like, oh, jump up on the roof so that you can access the half pipe that's the roof <laughs> uh, for some reason. Don't think about it. I don't think we can in on the fifth game because, Whoa. like, already we've had the warehouse that just has a half pipe in it mm-hmm. and then the hangar that has a half pipe in it. Well, it's not even a half pipe on the roof. It's just the roof itself is, is a, a half pipe. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like most of the things in Tony Hawk, and this is some level design stuff that I do want to talk about, uh, even though we're past the first few games. There's like a universal law in in Tony Hawk video games Mm -hmm. that all surfaces that go from the ground to a wall have to have a a smooth curve to them. Mm -hmm. So like every house has like a weird ramp built into its foundation and like dumpsters will 100% of the time have a kicker leading up to them in the form of, like, a cardboard sheet. Mm-hmm. Like, the the roof being a half-pipe, while <laughs> obnoxious and looking really stupid, is so 
in character oh, yeah. for the game. It's Dude, just like yeah. most of the time is done in such a way that you don't really think about it. Right. And I think Underground is one of the weaker games in that respect where it like it sticks out more. Yeah. I think a part of it is because they were going for a more realistic depiction. So when they're weird jagged roofs and shit i say this i realize the face you made means uh, underground probably not that realistic underground is the one that is like set like you physically travel to all of the new locations that you go to yeah and like you aren't on a cruise ship or casino you are like new jersey right (laughs) it just it's got a more cartoony look to it and i feel like they probably should, like they could have leaned into that more if like they wanted to put half pipes on the roof like if they had a more like stylized look to the your environment mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have thought about it as much but like you have like the weird cartoony characters and then the more like trying to be like a more realistic depiction of a town right like like a lot of things like we've been saying it just like it feels like it's kind of trying to be more realistic and then in other ways it's trying to be more cartoony yeah you like i think you're right because they it's it has an element of cartoonishness but they make concessions to try and make the areas feel like real places but they don't make concessions in any other area, which makes it weird. Mm-hmm. So like, you can still do the grind where a shark comes up behind you and like chases you on the board while you're skating. And you can still make your character a nine foot tall green tinted wizard. So like there's no like that has to in the the definitional version of this game exist alongside regular ass manhattan like they right. have to be the same in the same game doing the same stuff and it's like it clashes very badly in a way that it doesn't feel like it did before mm-hmm. i don't know it's like when you try to give the game more of a sense of place that stuff stands out more yeah as being very out of place <laughs> yes <laughs> uh but yeah that is that's the big takeaway i think from underground is that it started this trend of having like narrative and like the narrative is based around you becoming a professional skateboarder and your like weird backstabbing shitty friend eric sparrow who spouts lines of dialogue with the most annoying voice that anyone has ever had in a video game mm-hmm. uh with the potential exception of the feebass from uh detective pikachu um, and it's just, it's so stupid <laughs> and it's not even as stupid as it gets, but it's really stupid because it doesn't go over the top enough. Mm-hmm. It just becomes a bad story over top of the game you want to be playing. Yeah. It almost feels like a story written by its audience. Like, you know, like, like by a 13 year old. It's like Tony Hawk fan fiction. Yeah, it 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 does have a fanfic kind of feel because they they have to like make it. A, they don't have to, but they like make it about skateboarding, and they have to try to like make that to like a like cross country adventure <laughs> narrative. It I don't know. It just feels really forced yeah. and fanficy. 
I do think the level design in like the skating level design, regular levels Mm -hmm. in underground is probably the last one that I think is really actually good though. I think they're like clear lines and there's enough just sort of general clutter and things that allow more like expressive play. Whereas I feel like underground two becomes like, very prescribed like there's very little room for experimentation and they have to accommodate for all kinds of wacky bullshit they put into that game Mm -hmm. uh that and then american wasteland we'll talk about a little bit more later but uh it has its moments but there aren't there are a lot of very awkward decisions made in that game as well Mm -hmm. um so I do want to shout that out, and the soundtrack, as always, is real good. Yeah, it's when I, you were watching me play the beginning of Underground, and like, it was crazy how many times I was just like, "What? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do?" Like, it, it, it tries to ease the player in more than like the earlier ones did by like giving you like a like set of objectives to accomplish that are like teaching you the mechanics but there would just be like a, a short little cutscene where they'll throw like some mumbo jumbo at you and then it'll just cut to gameplay and then you have like no idea what you're supposed to do <laughs> yeah like it just doesn't communicate to you very well yeah as a point of contrast like look at tony hawk's pro skater 3 and how after you finish a run you can choose to just replay the videos that show you hints as to where the goals are. Like it's very player focused and like an idea of like, how do we make the things we want the player to do apparent to them? So that the challenge is in performing it as opposed to in aimlessly wandering around and like parsing our weird dialogue. Uh huh. And then in underground, they're like, the dude just came up and snatched my board. And then you just play. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like what does that mean what am i supposed to do where am i going who snatched your board do i actually care (laughs) like there's all this shit that i i just don't understand uh yeah it was a very bizarre experience going back to underground like the the disparity between my memory of the game and the actual act of playing the game is the widest among all Mm. of them yeah it was very bizarre yeah uh, and I think we can probably move on then to its sequel, Underground 2. Yeah. Um, for worse and for worse, uh, <laughs> this one has like one, one of the most memorable things in it, which is the story revolves around like this jackass-inspired uh, plot where Tony Hawk and Bam Margera have decided to have a competition where they like pick teams uh and compete against each other it it, it it's it's weird how much it leans into that like tone and once again it's where i feel that biggest clash where it's like this doesn't feel like anything tony hawk would yeah uh, think was funny or interesting <laughs> to me but uh it, it it goes full on like jackass and throws in like weird like there's that kid in the wheelchair mm-hmm. in the first level who's just like this crazy wheelchair kid that like kicks people in the nuts or something yep uh and runs away or wheels away and like 
you can play this is a guy who's like from some tv show that you were telling me about who's yeah. on like this big scooter with flames on it and he he can do these huge tricks and he can't fall and it's just like all this weird like over the top mid 2000s gross out tv thing yeah it's super strange in that underground 2 feels the most of its time but the other games were of its same time and don't feel anything yeah. like that. all the other games also feel of their time but this one it just turns it up to 11 <laughs> yeah this tony hawk's pro skater it's more sorry. specific i think is what it is yeah tony hawk's underground 2 the video game could have aired on mtv <laughs> Like, as a television show. Yeah, and it feels like it's going for that. Yeah, because it has Bam Margera, and it has Jesse James of Monster Garage fame on the yeah, flaming okay, scooter. That, yep, that's who it is. Yeah, and well, in addition to other, like, weird celebrity cameos, like, that just, like, pop in and, like, put you in a different vehicle. Like, is this the one that Tommy Chong is in? I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah the games that we played, I finished... Two, three, four, and American Wasteland. I did not finish one Underground or Underground 2 uh-huh. uh, before playing. So there's some elements of it. Notably, though, I do want to say that like the cinematic nature of 2 does a much better job of telling its bad story, <laughs> which is something, I guess... Yeah, like, like, the presentation is improved, it's just what they're presenting is worse. (laughs) Not worth presenting. Yeah. There's a sequence in a later level, and I didn't finish this game and I didn't get to this part. Yeah, this is the one I played the least of. Okay, that's fair. Um, But in a later level, there's a sequence where you do a spine transfer off of, like, a 60-story building... And then use the momentum that you gain to ramp over a helicopter while uh, uh, New Noise by Refused plays. And that sequence is in my head. Despite me not remembering almost anything else about this game prior to replaying it. And if, if anything, that's something. Like, that song, first of all, is badass and killer. And mm-hmm. I love it. And... It was like a weird slow-mo clip, and it played out really well in like the narrative and shit. And so it has a moment that I remember from uh-huh. my childhood, which is way more than I can say about Underground 1. So the presentation is definitely way up there, but they this is like if Underground 1 had too many extra mechanics... Underground 2 has twice that many, and they were all half as good. Yeah. Like, it was so bizarre, like, playing as Jesse James, or playing as the wheelchair kid, in, like, it just feels totally different from riding a skateboard or doing anything else that's in the game. Mm-hmm. There's a golden drive through a bunch of fucking nut vendors. I think it's oh, Underground yeah. 1, actually, I don't remember. Like, it's it's so weird, like, that all of this stuff was included and it's so unnecessary because like the game is so expressive and they keep adding new mechanics like underground 2 doesn't add a whole lot honestly as far as mechanics go which is a good decision but they added a bunch of extra mini game type things yeah it's like the games had like as we were talking on the first half have always had that like weird humor in them and it feels like they put like and when transitioning to the more open adventure narrative focused 
games uh, that the underground games are, they needed to like throw in more content. They needed more to like fill out um, that those new aspects of the game, and they put their chips on the humor. <laughs> and it seems like yeah, and it time has shown that that was a bad bet. Yeah, like the fact that because you mentioned Cause, yeah, they really lean into that stuff. And apparently they thought that was a good idea. <laughs> you mentioned, like, the whole, like, comparison to Jackass, right? Like, yeah. the game is uh, based on a real, like, the World Destruction Tour, mm-hmm. which is a real Jackass, like, stunts competition, which is how they contextualize goals. Which I don't think is a terrible idea. It's, like, kind of better than somebody being like, uh, hey, I'm standing right here, so can you go grab the combo letters all in one combo? <laughs> Like, that's totally divorced from reality. Yeah. But the choice of it being this, like, having Pam Margera play such a big role in it. And, like, Phil Margera... His dad, His dad is in the game. His character model, the only character model that is used in the whole game for fucking ten hours of game is just wearing underwear. Like, <laughs> there isn't a character model version of him in a shirt. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, he's just there. The fact that, that that all of this, like, combines and the humor underlying it is not really any good. It, it is just a really unenjoyable narrative on a game that has solid skateboarding mechanics that keep getting trampled over by everything else. Yeah, and... If you're listening to this and you haven't played Underground 2, um, if if you skipped that one, just look up the opening cutscene on YouTube for an idea of what we're talking about. (laughs) Because I'm I'm almost certain it'll be worse than you're imagining. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, and fucking Underground 2 in the first level, which is essentially the first level from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Like, it's the warehouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, like, it's more explicitly just a tutorial. Yeah. Which I appreciated when playing them all back to back to back. (laughs) True. Uh, It's just like, hey, you're in the warehouse. Here's a list of things. Make sure you know how to do them and move on. Yeah. One of the few things that was added to this game that did not come back later is the ability to pick up and throw tomatoes. (laughs) Which, weirdly, is just a thing that you do in this game, because they needed to have an excuse for you to do things off your board. Um, Which continues to get worse as we move on to Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. Um, Getting off your board is now just a series mainstay, and uh, I know you like it, and I know that I'm not as huge of a fan of it, but it does help in those situations like you were talking about. Yeah, a theoretical version that didn't feel so, like, rigid or weird and however you want to describe it because it's hard to describe these things yeah but one like a version of it that felt better i think would just be ideal for me yeah Yeah. uh yeah like a version that maybe you had three games to try and refine yeah and then they forgot to do it (laughs) (laughs) so american wasteland in addition to adding a bunch of other stuff to the franchise as is tradition uh makes moving around off your board just a thing that you have to do all the time. And they added double jumps, wall runs, and flips. Yeah, parkour. Yeah, which doesn't add anything at all to the game. And this is, like, a real problem, I think, going forward. Like, 
as we talk about the other things that got added, like there is, uh, I don't remember who I, it, this might be in, uh, Joseph Anderson's video on Mario Odyssey when he talks about how the game controls essentially using two buttons, but the actions of those two buttons are spread out all over the controller. Like you have multiple redundant inputs because the game is simple enough in the way that it is controlled that you can sort of play it in a comfortable way because of that. Mm -hmm. And American Wasteland is the opposite of that, where <laughs> there's a move that they added to this game called the Burt Slide, where you put your hand on the ground and then you like kind of kick the board out and slide around in a direction. And it's just the L button. Like it's just mapped to the L button. And you would never consciously intentionally use the move. It does nothing. It doesn't extend your combo. It doesn't open up movement options. It doesn't do fucking anything. It's just there on a button doing nothing that could be used for so many other things and it just isn't. Like, why? Why do I do backflips off walls to do nothing that I couldn't already do on a skateboard? Like, it's so stupid. So they can give you, like, one challenge every couple of hours that requires you to do that. Exactly. And, I, yeah, and you were there when I did the, the one mission in the game that requires you to bird slide. Yeah, it... In addition to it being, like, a, just a waste of space on the controller, like, it also just, like, doesn't look like you're actually doing a move. <laughs> like, it's so bizarre that they included it. Yeah. That's the... the I'm trying to s somehow put this in a way that it can... That Burt Slide can end up in the episode <laughs> title. Because that's the only echelon of uselessness that it hasn't reached yet. <laughs> is being a title of an episode that barely talks mm -hmm. about it. The Ernie and Bert's line. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's that. But on the plus side, I think that American Wasteland is a joy to control. I think they've cut out most of the bullshit, and it is more streamlined. Most of your objectives involve skateboarding, thank God. <laughs> The only other vehicle that you have to deal with is occasionally riding a bike, but it's so infrequently used and is not great, but more fleshed out than most of anything in Underground 2. Uh, and then, like, there's this widely expanded, uh, like, custom shit menu that also largely doesn't have an input, but they force you to interact with occasionally. Yeah, I know, like, similarly to the stuff you were talking about, like, I was looking up the reception of each of these games, and this one, people seem to not really like, uh, for a lot of the reasons you were saying, like, they added a whole bunch of crap, and a lot of it's just, like, is useless, or, you know, it's just bloated with extra stuff you don't need, and, like, that the level design isn't as good, and I didn't quite play them all enough to really for that to stand out to me as much. But like overall, I actually quite liked this one. Yeah. Um, the underground games go more for like a urban like you you're like a like just a poor nobody um, on this like on the streets like it's very much like urban towns and things. And this one goes for more of like a like California punk aesthetic that 
appeals more to me. Uh, so I like that, and I like the, um, the yeah, like the fact that you're taking junk from around like the different areas you skate through back to this own personal like customizable skate park uh the wasteland yeah that's a really cool idea and um i do also like the idea of linking all the levels together um that has some issues how it was implemented but like i like that a lot um and yeah there's just like it feels like a more refined version of like trying to do an adventure story version of Tony Hawk that it just comes together in a way that's more cohesive. Like it's still, it's far from like good. I still think <laughs> like, um, in when you're looking at it, like big picture, like, you know, like it could be designed way better, but like, I think this accomplishes a fun, interesting adventure Tony Hawk game way better than the underground games did. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I actually did not know that we were in the minority on this, but... Oh, it might just be the reviews I found. Right. But uh, my impression was that people... that Maybe people were just sick of Tony Hawk by this point. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the reception to this one wasn't as good. And with an annual release for the last six years, you can't really blame them, I guess, for, for not wanting to, to pick up the board again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think those are all really good ways of, of describing it. The, in addition, like, the game itself is more colorful. Um, yeah, that too. The aesthetic is cool. Yeah, and the soundtrack is good, but it's also way more varied than it uh, than it has been in, in past games. Like, there's pretty modern stuff. They did an interesting thing that I liked, um, where they had, like, a bunch of classic punk songs by, like, uh, The Suicidal Tendencies and uh, Minor Threat and shit like that, covered by like more modern pop punk bands and like the, the i think the there's like a descendants song that's covered by from autumn to ashes who i don't really consider to be a punk rock band and it is appropriately heavy for them um but it's like six or eight songs that are just like all covers and i thought that was a really interesting decision because some of these bands are like not around at all so much anymore to to be able to to not that they couldn't get the license, but the fact that they can use those songs to sort of open up uh, people's exposure to the other bands, I think, is cool. Um, but yeah, like, aesthetically, I like American Wasteland a lot. The characters are all the worst ever, though. Mm-hmm. Like, somehow, the generic characters created for this game are worse than Bam Margera is. <laughs> Yeah, it's it feels like they caught on to our our feelings on the underground games because mm-hmm. like this game doesn't have as much humor in it at least in comparison to the underground games. Um, and it's yeah, it's way more like as you said, like generic or just kind of like the what's what's the girl's name? Mindy. Who's, Mindy is just like exposition girl like she's just like hey you gotta go to the this uh, yep. get your skate cred and you know gotta impress these guys and learn this trick and spoilers because i know that you were gonna go back and play through the rest of the story uh-huh. uh 
If I was going to play any more of any of them, it would be American Wasteland, probably. That's fair. She's also just, like, shoehorned as a love interest. Of course in the she la- is. Of course, yeah, in the last ten minutes of the game, which does not make any the, sense. I would argue it's not shoehorning, because it's obvious that's what they're going to do with her from the start. <laughs> well, sort of. She's dropped so quickly as, like, a, a, like she comes back once every, like, three hours Mm -hmm. to be like oh yeah this and also here's the history of this and why it's happening and then you're like okay bye and you don't see or talk to her for a million years Mm -hmm. and then they come back and they're like oh yeah we're also like super fucking now (laughs) it's just super fucking it's a new skate trick yeah uh where you have sex on your skateboard (laughs) which you can make in the creative trick mode Mm -hmm. now uh there are also like some and this is like ugh, i hate to even it's not that i don't want to bring it up because i feel like it should be brought up but i hate that i was naive enough to not notice this when i played it when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and that this game is also like god just weirdly racist also it it has like a mr miyagi type character in yeah. it who speaks like who is just obviously a white dude doing a shitty asian hollywood mm-hmm. accent and then there's like a street the, the gang. french guy and he yeah, teaches and you Frenchy, the, parkour. the french guy <laughs> teaches parkour like it is just chock full of these weird stereotypes and as i mentioned before it's weirdly anti-union which is another like it seems like a weird place for like, them to stick That's their punk pie. rock, right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't know anymore. <laughs> You're like, what's punk rock? I don't know. Uh street gangs, BMX bikes, and uh labor unions. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're getting old and we don't know anymore. <laughs> They just picked some random shit to be opposed to and just chose to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that casts kind of a gray cloud over this experience. But the mechanical experience is solid. And I want to tie back into the series as a whole at some point uh, by talking about the, like, create uh, modes. Mm-hmm. Um so I I want to defer to if you have points on specific games that we can hit. Uh, I... I was thinking, like, I know you expressed negative opinions on, like, the no load screens thing in American Wasteland, so I wanted you to, like, you know, state those opinions. So, on average, in a, like, cartridge-based Tony Hawk game, so the earliest ones, levels only took a couple of seconds to actually load, uh, and the levels were smaller, and the like mechanics and everything everything was less complex <clears throat> so obviously as that expanded so did the load times the problem with american wasteland and it's like weird contiguous open world is that what it does in place of load screens is it has these preloaded long stretches of stuff that you like can skate on which is fine like i like the idea in concept that in, during a load screen, you can also still use the core skate mechanics because they are good and cool. The problem is they are so long. Like, they're really, really long. And they often will make the load time longer than it is. 
because it takes you longer to get from point A to point B than it does to load the next area. And if you're playing very efficiently, what ends up happening is you collide with a barrier that they put up at the end that doesn't open until after the load has completed. And so that just feels bad. And then there's some very egregious examples of where those interstitial areas are terrible. Going from the oil rig to Santa Monica involves using this like big drainage pipe. And at the end of the drainage pipe, it just steeply turns up. So if you don't have enough speed to just skate out of it, you will awkwardly ride up and then just turn around and go back the other way. There's a rail there. So if you do have enough speed, but you clip the rail, you will do like an awkward hop motion, lose your speed and then fall back down. You might accidentally grind the rail, uh, which the game will artificially slow you down uh, if you're going too fast before the thing has loaded. Uh, and it does this elegantly in a couple of ones where it'll put like a security camera and it'll be in slow motion. And I think that that is fine because those last for a short period of time. Put it in context and it doesn't feel awkward that you're just suddenly moving slower than like the velocity you understand that you have. Mm -hmm. But this one sure doesn't. And it <laughs> will just slow you down so you grind on the pipe. Then you don't have enough room and then you start grinding backwards. So you have to just get off your board and just walk up half of the time that you do it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's terrible. Like It feels bad. And a lot of them do. And I would often do the bus option of just getting on a bus and choosing where I'm going before I would take the, the shortcut or the long cut mm -hmm. path. Uh, I don't know. It's like a good idea that was executed, like, I think really badly. Yeah. I liked them, but I feel like the reason I didn't run into a lot of those problems is because I'm just not as good at the games. Like, I don't think I could go fast enough through them to hit the barrier. <laughs> right. Um, so for somebody who's uh, more of a noob, uh, they came off better. And I, I do think they're a little too long. Like, they, it, the technology's not quite there yet. Um, but I, don't, I like the idea. I like the idea of, like, always, like being like on, like being able to skate and like not having to load um except for like you know certain circumstances like cut scenes and things yeah um i like the idea a lot and i just wanted to make my one dumb little mention of there's a game that i played a lot of on the playstation 2 called disney's extreme skate adventure <laughs> Which is, I think, Disney Interactive, like, licensed either, like, the Tony Hawk 3 or 4 engine. I think it's the fourth one. Um, and, and made a skateboard, like, a Disney skateboarding game. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that it's structured is it has, like, a hub town called Hollywood. Nice. Um, and it has movie theaters in it. And you skate into the movie theater, and it'll take you to the the other levels, or like Lion King, Toy Story, and Tarzan. Mm -hmm. And I like that idea of having like a hub that leads to the different levels, and like being able to like connect it in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and you had to go through load screens, but I can imagine a version of it where it's like a path that leads you to a different level, and like. Like Banjo Kazooie, yeah, style, like Banjo Tooie, yeah. I think is structured oh, yeah. like that. Um, 
I just think that was a really cool idea, and I don't think any of the Tony Hawk games have ever done something like that. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, the the really arcadey structure of the early games makes it so that like the level select feels more natural. Mm-hmm. The fact that Underground doesn't do this is bizarre to me because they make you physically enter the new area before they load it and then once you do then it kicks you into a loading screen it's like a new different instance of it and it's it's just super strange a lot of the time uh but like i understand like the limitations and all that and especially underground was a more ambitious game Mm -hmm. uh so yeah this feels like what they probably have wanted to do for a while like the way they did it in there mm-hmm. they really should have taken a page out of uh disney scream skate adventures book because <laughs> yeah. it's structured like tony hawk 4 where it's like levels so you skate around and you get objectives from npcs and i think like linking the levels together like with the tony hawk 4 format like it just seems like such a good disney interactive knows what's up <laughs> seems like a good fit that's true uh Right. I had to get that mention in. No, that's fine. I uh, <laughs> I think we, we discussed it would be a fun time to do that for Pocket at some I think point we as should. a companion piece for yeah. this. So. Uh, so if you can find a copy of that, we'll probably I still have it at my parents' house. I've meant to grab it a few times and I've completely forgotten. It'll be the only thing on your mind next yeah. time you're there. Uh, okay, so the one thing that I wanted to mention is this game has a... I think, like, world-class level editor in the form of the Create a Park mode. You mean American Wasteland, or...? Uh, I mean, like, the franchise. Okay. Like, I think that each iteration on it continues to, like, do more and more with what you're given. I know that in later games, and I didn't boot up the... I loaded a few of my cha- my 2005-2006 era parks just to like fuck around with what I thought was cool. In case you were wondering what that is, it's uh, <laughs> it's four quarter pipes packed tightly together into a bowl so that you when you jump into it, you just go real fast. That's what I thought was sick when I was uh, like a, an early teen. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, there are some that like actually let you include goals and NPCs in it, uh, as well as like make your own gaps, uh, which we didn't talk about at all. There's the amount of time that I put into this into these games is insane, even like for a kid. And part of what gives it replay value is there's an uh, there's an element of the games that are called gaps, which are little blue things that come up. You would have seen them while you're playing. Uh, and they make a little camera shutter sound effect when you do them. And uh, when you get a gap, it puts it on a list. And it says, you got this gap in this area. But each level has a list of gaps that you can like collect. And finding how to get those gaps based on their names and stuff uh, was really fucking enjoyable for me. And I was like a gap completionist in like <laughs> multiple of these games. Um, so the fact that you could add gaps to your levels in some of the, the later games uh, really fucking did it for me as well. Yeah. Uh, but it gives you a lot of tools. Um, like we talked about before, the level design in the Tony Hawk game is actually like really intuitive. Like any wall that you just turn into a vert ramp makes sense in Tony Hawk. So the fact that you can sort of construct your own like 
little park, like your architecture, based on what you've seen in the game already. You can devise little lines, you can go apeshit and just put stuff everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's all going to be navigable by the player. Uh, it's it's really good, it's really like consistent and like intuitive. I, I think it's it's a really good mode. The same cannot be said for pretty much any of the other creative modes. The creative skater is like designed to make you create a monster alien as opposed to a regular human person. Mm-hmm. Like nine times. Isn't that out the of point time. of all character creators, Chad? <laughs> I mean, depends. Yeah, no, early <laughs> ones are especially janky. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's. You mean you might as well make a horrible monster because you, you're not gonna be able to make a good looking, yeah, like regular person. Yeah, so you just have to like put see where the, like the limits are in the design, and there are weirdly not a lot of them. Like it'll just like what do you want to recolor everything? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> you've made a a man ba- banana, a manana. <laughs> yes, uh, no, but not a fizz bitch. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> It's for like the five people who will get that. <laughs> Remember Power Thirst, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, the the creative trick thing I did not engage with um, because I didn't do any like the extra stuff because I was playing six games. Yeah. Um, but like that seems like something I wouldn't have touched even if I had a, a, all the free time in the world. Yeah, because the, like it's just like I kind of just want to engage with the mechanics as is. Like I don't need to add more tricks. There's already so many fucking tricks, <laughs> Tony Hawk. It, it's even like because the creative tricks. Uh, so I replayed America Wasteland, which at the end it has the creative trick as like goals in it. Like they make you use it, and. They don't tell you often. In one case, there's two cases where you have to make a trick, and one of them, uh, which I've creatively titled Created Trick, that's it, uh, was you speci- he says you're going to do it as a grind. And I was like, that makes sense. So I put something that made sense to do while you were on a rail. It didn't make sense. I was being a bit of a jokester there mm-hmm. uh, and instead made me do a flamingo. So I was basically one foot like rollerblading on a rail uh but no you can't make it not look bad it exclusively looks terrible and there's there's no it does there's no option of just maybe do a normal thing in any way uh you can like start and stop animations midway through them which creates this like very jarring visual thing but can like theoretically mean that you can craft something that looks natural but you never can the second one i made was a manual trick but i wasn't told it was a manual trick so it has me standing there like spinning and flipping the board Just impossibly in midair, and Rodney Mullins right there to be like, "Good work." I wish I would come up with that trick. (laughs) That's what I want out of a a trick editor, though. It's just like impossible, weird animations. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I also found it amusing that in the at the the lead up to the finale of that game of American Wasteland, you like recruit a bunch of pros by doing goals for them to be in a skate video. Don't fucking worry about it. Uh, 
And everyone gives you, like, a trick that's, like, one of their signature tricks that they do. Like, Tony Hawk teaches you the 900. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then Daywan's song gives you a a trick that's called the Daywan Chop, which is a a flip trick in which you input the command and then the Neversoft eyeball with little hands and feet shows up holding a plank of wood that you punch through and then he leaves while you're in midair. <laughs> it just makes no sense at all. Like, is this not a real thing? He probably did something like that where he like went off a ramp and did a trick and someone held out a board and he chopped it did, while he was in the air. Right, and he, then he was like, can we like do that in this game? And they were like, uh, <laughs> sort of. We did the shark one, if you remember yeah. that. So. We'll just have our logo hold the board. Yeah. And then, oh, God. Okay. One more thing. One more bit of nostalgia that I want to indulge in before we move on mm-hmm. to maybe the end. It's getting kind of long. It, it is. Uh, is each game has like a litany of, of secret characters, which range from fucking Lil John, as we just discovered, all the way to like the wildest shit ever. And, like, famously, like, 2 has Spider-Man in it yeah. as a character, and he has, like, special moves that use his, like, web shooters and stuff. Yeah, because they uh, were made the uh, PS1 and 64 Spider-Man game, which is sweet in its own right. That's true, yeah. I mean, I was more of a Spider-Man... No, wait, no. Yeah, Spider-Man 1 was the good one. It was so good. Yeah, it had a... Uh... We should do that for the cast at some point. <laughs> we might. We need to have, like, a nostalgia month, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good good time uh but yeah so spider-man was in that one uh in four you can unlock eddie which if you're unfamiliar is the zombie that is on the cover of all of iron maiden's albums uh which is crazy fucking shit Mm -hmm. i think iron man is in one of them as well maybe i don't remember wolverine i think is in the third one yeah I uh, like the and I think Kiss, the band Kiss is, is in, in Underground. Yeah. Yep. Uh yeah, like the whole band. As yeah, it, individual characters. Yeah, it just like became a thing mm-hmm. to have more and more like, secret characters. Like weird celebrities and stuff. Uh and I don't know, I love that. Like that's no, yeah, it's cool, yeah. That's a real good decision that they made because it feels like a Smash Brothers like crossover, like, oh, who got announced for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4? Fucking the Iron Maiden guy, hell yeah. yeah. Well, this was like in an era of cheat codes and rumors and stuff. So like that's the appropriate place to throw in something weird and crazy it's just like oh did you, did you hear you can unlock kiss and tony hawk <laughs> no yeah you know like it 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 feels like yeah like a really cool like kind of easter egg just to like and just skateboarding around as uh fucking gene simmons you know <laughs> that's funny and in just the right way. Yeah, no, it's killer, and I love it. Um, you got anything you wanted to to tackle before we move on? I don't think so. Uh, look at I look over at your notes, and like one of them just real big. It's like kiss in in game. <laughs> kiss. <laughs> uh, no, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm. I'm. I'm about Tony Hawked out. All right, then. Do we have? front side stale fish thoughts uh it was 
a lot to come back to playing all of these. Um, this was notably. I'm just gonna interrupt you. And I'm yeah, sorry. sure. No, it's fine. <laughs> we did a Pokemon retrospective in which we just kind of collectively had a pretty good understanding of the Pokemon games. Yeah, I mean, we've all played, like, hundreds of hours of, like, each individual Pokemon game already. Yeah, this was, like, we just played these games again. <laughs> like, for me, for the first time in a long time. For Annie, for the first time ever. Yeah, like... This is a, like, this is a much bigger undertaking than I had anticipated. Yeah, I only ever played the first two, and I never owned them. I just rented them from Blockbuster a lot. So, for me, yeah, and I played lots of Disney Extreme Skate Adventure, <laughs> which is more similar than you would think by the name. Um, so, uh, no, but this was, yeah, I, a big learning experience. I felt like it was weird playing them back-to-back because I'd keep learning throughout them all. They felt like one big, long game in some ways. Um, and I feel like I just kind of started getting to the point where, like, I want to go back and play, like, two and three all the way and four, you know, because I feel like I could actually play them, like, get through them now. Like, it, like getting the high scores doesn't seem quite as impossible as it did initially <laughs> to me because I know how to, like, actually link things together and I, I can execute that now. But, um... It was really fun, though, like, go back to these, because they were very much, like, I compare it to, like, Guitar Hero. Like, they were very much, like, of their time. They burned real brightly for a while, and then they they faded away. Um, and I, I kind of feel like they could never be as popular again, like, in the true, pure definition of of their time, like... Even if they put out this new, like, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake, and it's real good and reviews well and people like it, it's never going to, like, catch on the way it did again, you know? And it's so it's always fun to look back at that kind of stuff. Um, and, yeah, I had a good time. Like, I, I'm surprised I said earlier... Um, this feels like it could be its own, like, subgenre of platformer. Like, I'm surprised we don't see like this didn't spawn like any like imitators or you know like it just feels like they're even though the franchise kind of got run into the ground it feels like there is still some untapped potential there and um yeah it was just it felt like uh almost like going back and picking up a piece of like game history that like I slept through the first time. Like I, I, I enjoyed going back to these games and like that. I understand them more now. So like overall positive experience just was kind of a slog at times. Um, and I would like to see something like American wasteland and the underground games tried to do. But now when I think, the technology is there and they could get like a team that's more well-rounded and up to like today's standards to produce something that really delivers on that concept. But I don't know if we'll ever get that. Yeah. So, you know, those are my all over the place final thoughts (laughs) for all these all over the place Tony Hawk games. Yeah. I hard agree with a lot of that. I think one of the biggest shames of the existence of the Tony Hawk one and two thing that's coming out is they have, they've released Tony Hawk two 
on like every imaginable console at the time. Like it was available for pretty much everything. I had a copy of it personally on the N64, the PlayStation 1, and the Game Boy Advanced. And they even backported some of the older games to the PS1 and the N64 so that people could still play them who still had those old games. And that was more of a practice at the time. Mm-hmm. And the shame is you are you are correct. This this franchise will not catch on the way that it did in 99. The the game is now too rooted in that original form for them to be able to push it forward anymore. Like if they make a game that doesn't have fucking No Cigar by Millencolin in it, <laughs> then people will give them shit for oh, it. Oh, man, it doesn't go... It isn't really Tony Hawk, now, is it? Exactly. And I, I think that's a big issue with uh, the idea, because like, I am excited to play the remaster. Yeah, I don't know if I would have picked it up, and now I'm definitely going to pick it up. <laughs> right. Like, I'm excited to play that because it is a part of my childhood and because I am excited to do it again, even though we just spent three weeks playing Yeah, but it's, like, shiny and new. It is shiny and new. But it also necessitates them never to do Tony Hawk's 3 and 4 remastered, right? Like, if it does happen, it probably won't be successful enough for them to make Tony Hawk 10 or whatever like the next numbered entry is where they do try and give more of like the full game experience that underground underground 2 and american wasteland were trying for um and that kind of sucks i feel like there's so much potential here uh it not necessarily for something that's going to be groundbreaking because past the first and installment this game never was um but i feel like there's a potential to take something that is a genuine very boiled down fun video game formula and push it into more people's lives it um it almost kind of makes me think of uh some of the stuff we were saying about mirror's edge when we talked about that it's like it feels like this untapped like interesting mechanical like thing that due to like mismanagement with the ip like it's just kind of been killed yeah yeah and you're not wrong like this has been tapped but the wrong parts of it were tapped tapped in the wrong direction yeah (laughs) um but yeah i think that about wraps it up uh and oh boy Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about A Hat in Time. Uh, speaking of fucking throwbacks, this is a game version of that. Hell yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, and thank God JJ's still gone, because we can do a platformer <laughs> guilt-free. Yep. And on top of all of that, uh, it is episode 99, so keep your eyes and ears out for uh what it is that we're gonna try and do for our 100 episode celebration for the war against the war who cares 100 episodes for the unions against the unions (laughs) 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 oh but also i just hope that episode 100 does not fall like smack dab in october because it's gonna be uh, i think we can get through a hat in time quick yeah 
and at least have it recorded before October. Yeah, because then because what we want is to uh, October is going to be content overload unless it's so daunting that we're just incapable <laughs> of keeping up with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. There you can listen to all 97 of our previous episodes. Something like that. <laughs> uh, as well as episodes of No Clip Pocket. Uh, extreme sports games uh, is a, a kind of a narrow genre and not one that I can really make any recommendations <laughs> yeah. for. I mean, I mentioned Mirror's Edge. Yeah, we did talk Parkour about Parkour is Edge. kind of a sport that's kind of related to skateboarding. <laughs> it's kind of in Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. So yeah, there you go. There's your recommendation for the time being. Uh, uh, hit a Hit a button. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how to. You're just going to inexplicably have to find that like and subscribe and <laughs> bell all for yourself. You get a sticker slap that bell to knock it into the street and then we can take it back to the skate ranch. <laughs> you got to do a front flip, spine transfer, pop shove it or something. Those were all real tricks. Yeah. I'm proud. <laughs> a pop shove it is one of those tricks I can actually do in real life. Uh. So. I couldn't uh, get off the ground. <laughs> you couldn't. You couldn't even ollie. <laughs> couldn't even ollie. Uh, I have to <laughs> look up the fucking information. It is a lot of information. It actually, makes sense this time that you'd need to look up the information. Yeah. I mean, it kind of shut up. What? <laughs> it makes sense, I believe. I don't fucking know off the top of my head with like. I mean, it makes Symphony sense that, the night. that you couldn't like write it down or memorize it this time. This that you would have to pull it up. Yeah, it's a it's a big list. All right. Also, you're a big dummy. <laughs> <laughs>